everybody to the TZR Podcast, episode 125. I'm your host, Justin Skirbo, and today I'm joined by Shane Weaver. Hello. And I'm joined by Mike Potts. What's up? Yes, so just the three of us this week, and we're trying a new recording format. Uh, we're actually mic'd up in a different way than we normally are, so I'm kind of curious to see how this all shakes out. So if it sounds a little different or if it sounds a little weird, thank you for bearing with us. <laughs> during this experimental phase. And if you're not hearing this at all, then you know that something went wrong. <laughs> something went terribly awry, and uh, don't worry, everybody's all right. Um, so guys, we've got a, a, not a very news-heavy week this week. Uh, we've got some news coming out of Valve. One of their writers has returned. Uh, Nintendo is about to start their online service. And, you know, we've got some, some more depthy topics that I'm excited to jump into, talking about older games, talking about replaying games, uh, and sort of all of the facets of that. But before we get started, first I would like to see what everybody's been playing. It's been a while since I talked to both of you guys, so I'm curious uh, kind of what you've been keeping busy with. So Shane, why don't you, uh, why don't you kick us off? Well, I think... Potts and I might be in a similar uh, boat here, but before I, before I dig into what I've been giving most of my time to in this last little while, uh, I did finally get my hands on Monster Hunter World, mm. so I am literally scraping the surface of that. I just kind of played the intro, um, did my first quote-unquote hunt, and like I killed some enemies, not an actual hunt for uh, a boss or anything of the sort. Um, yeah, just kind of got off the ground for it. Cool. Dude, if you're trying to play that more, like, me and Chow and Alex are, like, heavily, heavily invested into that game. And I'm always down to, like, start a new weapon or a new build or whatever. So, like, if you're trying to play, I am very much available to you. <laughs> <laughs> I will let you know as I start to progress. I've awesome. got my brother who just picked up the game as well. A cousin of mine got the game. There's a lot of people playing Monster Hunter World, and I'm like kind of at the tail end here, so. Yeah, little late to the game, but not so late. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh what's been taking up most of your time now? That would be Hollow Knight. Yeah. Which I'm also playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Potts and I briefly discussed a little bit uh, about it, but um, yeah, it took me a little bit to really dig into Hollow Knight. I played the intro. Well, more more than the intro. I, I played for the first little while, got past the first boss. The pacing took a little bit to really pick up, but at this point, um, it's it's hooks in. Uh, I'm constantly wanting to pick up my Switch and explore somewhere else or a little bit further or take that one route that I forgot to go. Yeah. Now, Hollow Knight's yeah. something special, man. I feel like that game nails atmosphere in a way that other games wish they could. Yes. You know? It's the, so the way, cool. It's so cool. The way that I play that game, which is the way that Scurvo recommended that I play that game, is with the lights off and headphones on. Yeah. And I feel okay. like that is, like, the only appropriate way to play that game. I feel like the the music and just like kind of the overall like somber sort of you know it's so depressing like underground tone it, it's almost like a blanket though you know what I mean you just like you get like so wrapped into it and it's like I, I don't know it just feels that, great that like, like hub world main area that you myth. start off in mm -hmm. is that dirt music mouth, yeah. is so sad oh. yeah so but I melancholy love it. it's yeah. in my head right now 
Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but Shane, how? Um, I mean, obviously, without like spoiling anything, how far are you in whatever I'm way let you feel you comfortable? Answer that question because I'm 21 hours in. Oh wow! So I don't know how far far you Jesus. are in, but I'm probably like seven or eight. Okay. 21 hours so, sounds like a long time. I feel like I might have beaten that, the game in that time frame. I thought it was like 40. I keep exploring places instead of following main story. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell the difference between them after a while, right? Sometimes, but like I purposefully avoid going towards the main objective until I've explored an area. And I've got, I feel like, quite a bit of the main repertoire of abilities. Um, to which I don't want to say what all of them are. Uh so that, you know, you can enjoy discovering them for yourself, Pots. Uh, but, like, what's the last area you discovered? Like, where are you in right now? I, um, so the last ability I got was the Mantis Claw. And I'm, I'm now in uh, Queen's Landing? Queen's something? The big right. train station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can progress past that and you get to, like, <laughs> um, what is it, like, t- the City of Tears? Yeah, right. City of Tears is an awesome, awesome locale. Though. That I like. I it basically is. just oh. got to the City of Tears and maybe was there for like fifteen minutes, long enough to uh, upgrade my nail. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm having a big, big issue with constantly feeling like I have no idea where to go, though. Which for me, it sounds like for you, that's kind of fun. For me, it's really frustrating. Uh, not necessarily, because there was a little bit where I was frustrated with that. Um, it's more so that I've gotten to the point in the game where there's so many branching paths, you take them, they either lead to some uh, form of upgrade or boss or something, and then you're like, okay, t- you know, and then you interconnect back to some other location, and you just end up taking all of the paths until you right. find which one, you know, quote-unquote leads you where to go yeah um, my like my issue that i'm having i was ex- just explaining this to justin before we started recording but i was in um uh green green hollow green green path what? green path um so that's when i started playing the game a couple months ago i stopped after maybe getting maybe halfway through green path so when I started up again a few days ago, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to like keep going into Green Path. And I explored every square inch of Green Path and was like, okay, I haven't found a boss. I haven't found an upgrade, but I'm still here and I don't understand what I'm supposed to do next. I have areas of Green Path that I cannot get to. So I must need to go somewhere else. And that is when, after like two days of wandering around Green Path, I got frustrated enough that I did crack a guide just to look at where the next area I was supposed to be heading toward was. And that's when I found out you want to head toward like the fungal area and the mantis city. And I was like, okay, no longer need a guide. I can do that. It's really annoying that it's all the way on the other side of the map. And how was I supposed to know to do that? But okay. Uh, and I went and did that. Um, and then I went back to Green Path thinking, okay, now I can finish Green Path because I have this uh, Mantis Claw. Except, no, <laughs> it doesn't help you progress in Green Path at all. So I got angry yeah. again and had to check the guide again. What's the next area I'm supposed to be looking at? 
and it was um, the train station. So I went back to there, and then I found the City of Tears, and that's where I am now. So right. I'm just having a hard time knowing. I think I'm so early in the game that I'm having a hard time knowing when to stop being in one area and going into a new one. Yeah, I feel like that, you know, this is like what we were saying before, but it kind of breaks Metroidvania tradition in that way, where it's like you don't kind of like enter a new named area and then like explore that area till you fight the boss, get the item, and then progress to the next one. It's kind of like they mm-hmm. all just sort of like mesh together after a while. Um, which I kind of liked because at least when I was playing it, I felt like I was never really going in a wrong direction. I definitely doubled back, double backed a lot of the time, but I always felt like you know it was useful to be going around because you're like collecting geo or right. you know getting better at the combat or whatever. So I what always I felt always, pretty good about it. How I felt about it is that like if you're exploring the main area, there was lots of locations that you would find that you didn't know how to progress further but you had in the back of your mind like okay i gotta come back here like uh for example uh one that you might be going back to sooner or later pots would be um like the entrance to the mines um oh is it the pitch black area sorry is it the pitch black area um, where you deepness. can there is a pitch deep there is deepness. no okay because I, I know no, I know that I love, the guy I love deepness sorry anyway I, I know the guy sells a lantern up in um, up in the the main area and I'm like okay well obviously I'm not coming back here until I have a lantern but it's like 1800 geo which yeah, is, to I, me I is still invested. a lot yeah it took a while for me to save up for that one um, what's to say no not quite needing the lantern in fact actually if you go to the mines without the lantern um you're stuck there until unless you persevere through the entirety of them yeah no uh, you thanks. can't double back unless you have the, the lantern so but, let's, let's rewind for a second you like a deep nest <laughs> yeah well here's why um uh, like okay structurally not so much because it is a chore to to yeah. navigate through to, to clarify for the audience the deep nest is an area of the game that's like mid to late game that's like and it's massive sub- it's supposed to be, like, one of the harder areas. Like, they literally, like, talk about it in a very ominous way in the game. Um, and it's just, like, a winding path of, like, tunnels and, like, enemies that totally just fuck you up. Like, I don't know. I, I, I would say that that, for me, was probably the only most... Or the most frustrating part because of how monotonous it was to move around that area. So I'm really curious to hear what you, what you liked about it. Tonally, oh man, I, I really loved the tone of that area. Sure, um, okay. And how dark, dark and scary it is. Yeah, it, um, it does have a, in a very like intimidating feel to it. Like you get in there and you're like, "Yo, I'm not supposed to be here. Like nothing should be here," you know. And what the other thing I I really like about it um is it's kind of it's so massive. I thought it was two separate areas, and the left wing and right wing of it are drastically different, even in the theme of what kind of enemies you encounter and what's going on, even though sure. it's all this, like, really dark, decrepit tunnels. Um, so I really liked... There's there's two key moments in that area that I thought were really, really cool um, that I won't name because... Like, story-related? 
somewhat story related, at least boss related. Gotcha. Um, uh, the way that they uh, lead you and introduce you to um, certain set pieces for the game. Yeah, so, sure. I'm with you. Yeah. And even just general... Uh, the, the moment I entered that area and the first new enemy showed up, I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm freaked out by this area. It's going to screw with me. So, yeah, um, I, I very much have been enjoying and keep in mind, I'm just at the tail end of it. Like I just left being mm-hmm. like, OK, I'm mostly done here. I need to go back for one more encounter, it would seem. But uh, f- for the most part, you know, it's all cleared up. It's all good. And I yeah. have a lot, if not all of of uh the upgrades for mobility so navigating through there is really not such a chore anymore yeah you've got like you know the appropriate charms and whatnot yeah and and you know every everything that i need in order to make it uh, a little smoother of an experience gotcha gotcha so i mean what uh like pots i know that you started this game like a while back because you're playing on pc Right. Um, what made you want to kind of jump back into it? Just like a lull and other stuff that you're playing? or Well, it's been on my short list because I feel bad about not finishing it because I do really enjoy it. It's more like I haven't been in the habit of being at my computer a lot lately because yeah. I've been playing the shit out of my PS4. Um, but I basically... So I, like, I, I finished Uncharted 4 a while ago, which I was really into. I started Uncharted... Th- three again i got maybe like halfway through it and i got a little tired of it and was like okay i need something else Mm -hmm. uh then i picked up no man's sky because of no man's sky next yeah and i played that for like two or three hours i'm probably gonna end up playing that with uh with jake at some point yeah he was just over on the weekend and he played it for like two hours at my house and was like I just bought this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool because it's only like 10 bucks if you haven't picked it up before, or like yeah. whatever, 15 or 20. And it's, uh, I, I think he and I will have fun, and uh, hopefully hopefully we can get uh, Chow interested, like he was talking about. Maybe yeah. we can get a crew rolling here. Dude, he, he and I had started a file um, the other day just to kind of mess around with it. Yeah. Uh, Alex was very uh, persistent about getting a, uh, a new file started with us, but his availability has been kind of like, here and there, so yeah, we were uh, like, and that's that's the same with like Jake just texted me tonight to play, and I was like, I, I cannot unfortunately, but um, yeah, but hopefully he and I, and hopefully we can get some other people uh, in on that as well. But that's a very like scheduling kind, of, like I, I don't want to play it alone. It's I don't find it particularly fun. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I played it alone for a while, and it was like, oh, this is like a mobile game. But no, but I can't even pay to make things go faster. Yeah, when I uh, when Chow and I started again, like like some of the differences are pretty like cool and noticeable right away. Like yes. the third person camera angles and all this sort of stuff. I mean, it's still a little choppy. You know what I mean? The frame rate's not awesome. Like you know, if you're playing in third person mode, like looking at something and like picking it up or whatever. Is, oh my god, is a little weird. I switched back to first person. Yeah, it's, I I found myself like switching back impossible well. to play in third. Flying in third person is awesome. Yes, that is a lot um, better. But uh, but yeah, it's it's funny because like when I when I had played it back when it first came out. I kind of looked at it as its own thing, but now that like you know when Chow and I started a file and we're playing together and we're like helping each other do stuff, I got a very heavy Minecraft vibe from it. I was like, this is space Minecraft. But see, I feel like it's 
it is it is like that, but what really, really hurts the experience for me is like in Minecraft you can basically like you can just wander around and do whatever. Yeah. Right. And when I like when I say that this feels like a mobile game, I mean it feels like I am punished for everything that I want to do. Everything needs to take longer than it really needs to. I'm not just, really sure what you mean. So so okay, so first of all, you on your first planet, and we will get back to Hollow Knight. This is yeah. all uh, <laughs> yeah, this is a deviation. Um, your first planet, you start on, or at least both Jake and I started on a planet that is snowing. Yeah. So you immediately are like, yeah, your life support's fucked up. Yeah, you have your you stuff. have your fuck it's cold meter, and you have your I need to breathe meter. Yeah. So you're constantly. If you want to, okay, so if you want to move faster than the snail's pace that it allows you to walk, that makes your oxygen meter go down faster. Yeah. So that is the game punishing you for wanting to speed it up. That sort of thing occurs in almost every instance of gameplay that you have. Oh, do you want to fly your ship faster so it doesn't take 15 minutes? That is going to use up all of your fuel. Do you want to fly your ship from one place to another instead of yeah. walk for 25 minutes. I see. That uses up yeah. fuel. So all of these problems, they, they, they're very much sort of like tutorialized in the beginning of the game. It's because it wants you to move like slowly so you're doing things like on purpose. But as you progress in the game, you start to like, you upgrade your ship in such a way that it's way more fuel efficient. You upgrade your oxygen thing so like you basically never have to worry about that yeah. again. So it, it, it does those things, I think, to create a sense of progression that makes you actually feel better and like more powerful and more capable as you progress in the game. And I think the best example of like a, a mobile game f- feeling that I got, like an unnecessary feature that does nothing but slow down your progress for no reason, is the fact that your mining laser overheats. Yeah. There's a very easy way to like to subside or to go away from that. Well, what's bizarre is that if you just let go at any right point. as it overheats. Yeah. You don't have to wait for it to cool down. Yeah. It just goes back. Yeah, yeah. So why does it even do it to begin with? Yeah. Why can't you just hold it down? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, that that is definitely a thing. It's sort of like sprinting in like a GTA game or Exa- something yeah. where like, you know, you it, just have to kind of keep like yeah, rhythm it, with it or whatever. It just I just got the feeling that they wanted it to be very fiddly and micromanagey. Again, this is a problem that is resolved as you progress in the game. Like, when you get a better mining laser, you almost never have to worry about it overheating. Right. Like, all of that stuff does subside. It's almost like... How do I describe it? It's like, you know when you start a Metroid game, and it's like, hey, look at all this cool stuff, and then they smack it all out of your hand, and they're like, all right, now you have none of that stuff. I have never, I've never played a game and felt like, man, if I could just pay to progress a little bit faster, until I played this game. I was like, they could be making a fortune off of microtransactions with this because this is infuriating yeah in in due time i'm sure we'll see them come so so anyway i can't i can't keep i can't really like if i just want to play a game alone or if i don't have a lot of time i'm not going to go and play no man's sky because it's a it's a group activity uh so i was like you know i'm kind of out of playstation stuff right now take a break from that I don't really want to get into The Last of Us right now let me just go play Hollow Knight again 
um, just a little bit, and then I immediately got hooked again and nice. <laughs> played it three days in a row. Awesome. Um, so that's why I started playing it again because I have been thinking about it and wanting to finish it for months. I just haven't. I've been playing other stuff. Yeah, and Shane, I know you were holding out for the Switch version, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Nice. Which I'm glad I, I did, because uh, the the ease of being able to just kind of pick it up, not only wherever in the house, but, like, I took it out to my friend's cabin so I could progress a little bit there. And Gotcha. Man, just being able to have it on me uh, and just make little bits of progression is great. It's a perfect game for that, just exploring a little bit more and then... You know, finding a bench, sitting down, and that's it. Yeah, I'm surprised you weren't uh, interested in starting the, you know, new hotness on Switch, the that uh, Octopath Traveler. Yeah, I, what can I say? Uh, it takes a long time for me to finally um, sit down and give my time to a JRPG, just yeah. because of how many hours they take. Like, if you look at Hollow Knight, it's, it's already eaten up 21 hours, and it's not a JRPG. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, like, when I started up Persona 5, it took me months to finally reach the end. Final yeah. Fantasy 15, very similar story. So I kind of have to carefully calculate when I'm going to do that. Yeah, you need and to, like, know that it's not butting up against another game that might be of interest or what have you. Yeah, and, like, especially since I was like, yeah, I'm going to be picking up Monster Hunter soon. It's like, no, there's too many high investment games right now for me to sink another 80 bucks into potentially something I won't be giving that much attention to. I'll, I'll pick it up later. Yeah. Octopath has been my primary distraction uh, recently. It's it's ridiculously good. Like, it's easily one of the best, uh, like, scores in a game ever. Mm -hmm. Like, every location I get into, I'm, like, so happy with, like, what the music sounds like. I mean, the game leaves a little bit to be desired from a narrative perspective because, like, the character's in isolation are cool but they don't have that much interaction with one another which is sort of forgivable based on like the context of the game and the context of like why they're together you know what i mean um mm. but the game itself is fantastic like it's got really really interesting compelling combat uh, <clears throat> each of the areas that you get to explore like the way that you're progressing missions it basically like breaks the game down into uh chapters around each of the eight characters so it's like you can progress each character's story individually um based on you know your current level and how capable you are to to do that like it basically gives you a level requirement of like you should be this level to progress you know the chapter like the next chapter in the warrior story or whatever so you kind of like collect all the characters like pokemon and then begin to progress <laughs> through the game like you know, advancing which storylines make the most sense for you or which ones you're, like, leveled enough to be, like, capable to do. Um, but it's just really, it's really awesome. Like, I, I'm very anxiously awaiting the opportunity to buy this game's soundtrack because of how, <laughs> how good it is. And it's so weird that, like, that's, like, the first thing I say about the game is it's got a great soundtrack, but it really does pull you in in a, uh, in a very cool way. Um... But other than Octopath, the other game that um, that I picked up, which was kind of on a whim, uh, mostly because I just heard somebody mention that it was out, and it was like something that I was like aware of, but not like really paying attention to, was the Mega Man X Legacy Collection One and Two. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a huge huge Mega Man fan, and like I've I've played all of those games to death. Like I literally own every single one of those games, <laughs> like independently of the collection. But I was like. 
and the opportunity to play him again and like now like I'm more compelled because like there's trophies behind it and new and different challenges and stuff and it looks ridiculously good on PS4 so I was like yeah like why not like I'll, I'll jump back into that and uh, I've been having a really great time is it with those different games. at all from the GameCube collections of all of the Mega Man games I would say it's better the way that it's collected is, is um is interesting because it it gives you the English and Japanese versions of each of the games. There's like a really cool um, like gallery of like all the merchandise around it and all the music <laughs> from the games and all the pictures and production art and stuff. Mm. So I had fun going through all of that sort of stuff. But then probably the the most interesting change from the the GameCube and PS2 one is um, they added a new thing called X Challenge Mode, where they mash. It, it's a boss rush mode. But you fight multiple bosses from completely different games <laughs> using different Mega Mans that... So it's like... Okay, so like the first boss in it is Frost Walrus from X4 and Chill Penguin from X1 at the same time using the X from Mega Man X4 but with the abilities from Mega Man X1. <laughs> so it's like this crazy weird mashup, but... uh. Uh, it, it's fun. Like it, it's just a new way to uh, to experience those things. And I think the uh, having the trophies with it, like I'm kind of motivated by trophies. I, I just enjoy collecting them and stuff. Uh, has made it pretty cool to uh, to go back through those games. And you know, I mean, I can beat X one in like 45 minutes. So it's like <laughs> not it's not that big of an investment. Um, and I like those games enough where it's, like, fun to go back and play them again. But I feel like whenever I do that, I need sort of, like, an extra little incentive to do it. Um, and just, you know, getting trophies for it and stuff is enough for me. This is actually foreshadowing uh, a pretty interesting topic, a, a bigger topic that we have near the end of the show. But before we get into that, shall we move on to some news? Yes, yeah. what little there is. What it. little there is, it is pretty uneventful. I mean, we're in kind of like a dry spell during, you know, summer gaming months, which I feel like are notorious for being less than totally exciting. Um, but one new piece of news that came out is Jay Pinkerton. He's the writer on Portal 2, Team Fortress 2, and Left 4 Dead. Uh, he had previously left Valve, but now he is back working with them. Uh, I'm not sure in what capacity um, but he is back on their team and this was interesting to me uh, basically because a lot of Valve's narrative prowess came from this guy you know what I mean like Portal 2 was only as interesting as it was because of how good the story was mm -hmm. um, maybe not so much for Left 4 Dead or what have you but it definitely flavored that world a lot um, so kind of seeing him be reintroduced into the staff makes me believe that they're going to be pursuing some sort of new software venture, hopefully. Oh, yeah, um, it's also interesting because Valve doesn't really make games anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, that's exactly the thing, right? Like, they haven't made, like, a mainline game since, like, what, Left 4 Dead 2? No, they're too... I mean, all of their time well, is taken up by ignoring Steam. So they don't, don't have time don't. to make games. <laughs> Dota 2 would still count as something that they heavily invested their development towards, but... That's you know, true. That's true. With it and Counter-Strike Global Offensive, those two things, after they established developing them, it's like, hmm, all right, we don't actually have to make video games anymore. These make money. So I was going to say, those, those games, it's like that and Steam make them more money than basically any AAA title could dream yeah. of making. 
Um, but I mean, that doesn't that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, make up for the fact that much of their fan base is still like anxiously awaiting maybe a new Portal game. You know, obviously Half Life Three, but that's a, a pipe dream at this point. But like, my question to you guys is like, with this guy coming back on uh, on their team, does it seem like like do you think that they're even going to move in the direction of uh, making games in any capacity again? Or is that just kind of like, you know, uh, Here's, a thing of the past? I should have done a little bit more research on this one, because what I'm curious about is did Valve reach out to him, or did he reach back out to Valve? And the key difference there would be, I'm sure Valve would always be happy to, to, to have him on board for stuff, but I would think that for him, in his position, he would only want to get involved again if there was something of interest to draw him back in, some allure, some plans that you know we would also maybe be excited about. So I'd want to know if he came back of his own accord due to seeing a project that you know had a lot of promise that he might have. Yeah, so to be he's part currently of. listed on Valve's uh, staff portion of their website under other experts. And they basically mm. just talk about how he's been a comedy writer for a while and how he's, you know, moved between a bunch of different companies and now he's back. So, right. I mean, I'm not really sure what to infer from that, but... I'm, I think it's too late for him to be working on the game that they are releasing soon, which is Artifact. Man, fuck that game. <laughs> it's, but it's... It's, 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 it's Dota Hearthstone is yeah. what it is. The, you know, the one thing that's interesting, though, I just read, I, I didn't realize this, is it was developed with the assistance of Richard Garfield, the creator of Magic the Gathering. Oh, really? So it's either going to be exactly like Magic the Gathering, like a lot of these games are, or it's going to have something interesting. I mean, the dude knows. The dude invented collectible card games. Yeah. So it may that may help it in some way but also i'm so fucking tired of collect digital collectible card games yeah it's funny like everybody's I, jumping on the hearthstone bandwagon i feel like i had my time with hearthstone i even tried the pokemon trading card game online and like in both cases like they were fun but like i burned out on it so yeah. fast i just can't and anymore I, I mean and I, now it's like they've got elder scrolls and elements and yeah, all this other no, bullshit. bullshit like like i i love magic i've been playing magic for 15 years but not, I don't love it enough to play it constantly I don't love it enough to play the digital version you know they just released another core set yes can I'm, we can we like do one of our yes. like independent little drafts again are you you're fucking kidding yes like the, I want to do that so bad the, the uh, I think it's 2019 core set or something yeah it looks really good they they redid the art on a lot of like old cards oh I, did they really yeah I or or they or they're re-releasing cards of old characters. I don't know. Yes. Shane, do you play Magic? No. <laughs> you don't play Magic? No. Have you ever had an interest in playing Magic? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm Pots, sorry. You and I are going to buy six packs Absolutely. Each, and we're going to play. Like 100%. Um, uh, yeah, but... Um, so that, that could... Like, I, I don't... Even that game... I don't love enough to play the digital version of, so I really am not, like, I, I have no interest in playing all of these other things that I just consider to be, like, basically magic knockoffs. Yeah. Digital magic well, knockoffs. And um, in particular, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's all. That, yeah, go well, ahead, Jane. In particular, coming from Valve, like, I was just 
coming off of giving them some criticism for establishing an online ecosystem with Counter-Strike Global Offensive and then riding it out. Establishing a, like, a, a monetary base with, like, Dota 2, letting it ride out. Team Fortress 2 in the hat market, riding it out. Steam and their trading cards, riding it out. And they're, you know, just maintaining these these different facets that are, are you know, that they need to uh, pay attention to that are generating revenue for them. So now it's like, okay, guys, okay. They've come out and said, like, we're getting back into game development. We're looking at different ideas. We're, we've got, like, three unannounced projects in the works. But here's our first one. It's called Artifact. And it's a card game, which will be another venue uh, that we're going to have to pay lots and lots of attention to and balance and facilitate and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, man, okay, so you're going to throw your resources at another big project. Yeah. And it's, it's like I said earlier, Valve does nothing better than ignore the things that it should be paying attention to. So, But see, part well, of me thinks, like, e- even if that's sort of, like, the model that they want, like, they want to create a platform for them to, like, make money on a live for service. a while. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine, though, because, like, the games that they've done it with before, I mean, Dota is obviously hugely popular, so, like, there's clearly a good game underneath all of that. Same thing with CSGO. Like, I, I don't necessarily participate in a lot of their kind of, like, loot boxy sort of stuff. But, like, CSGO inherently is a really good game. Like, I, I yeah. still enjoy that game from time to time. Like, I'll just, you know, turn it on. It's like a, it's like a reliable friend that I can kind of go back to, right? Yeah, um, even Team Fortress 2. Like, it built yeah. its ground off of being a great game before it started becoming free-to-play and having the hat market and everything else. Yeah, for sure. So, like, part of me is, like, if, if that's the model that they want to make, I can be fine with that. You know what I mean? If, if that's the, like, base-level requirements to get, like, a Left 4 Dead 3 or something, like, I'm totally game for that. If they decide to have Left 4 Dead 3 make, like, a solid base for a really, really great game and then just, like, create some market to put hats on everything, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'm totally cool with that. I'm just worried about yeah. their ability to maintain and balance a card game, yeah. which is the type of game that can be broken extremely easily. Sure. Probably more easily than any other competitive game. It is so easy to fuck up a card game in a way that will make it unplayable. Like Hearthstone did with... Uh, Secret Paladins and... The guy that copies everybody's ability yeah, when it comes Zoo into play. Warlock, yeah. There, there's a million times. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to break a card game. Mm-hmm. Which is why Magic the Gathering has an entire fucking division of their company <laughs> devoted to maintaining balance in a game that's lasted for 25 years. Yeah, yeah. Like... The power creep is real, and I don't think that I trust Valve, who can't even manage to keep games that aren't games off of their game distribution website (laughs) to balance a a complex card game over the long term. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll... uh... We'll find out, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure. We'll, I'm sure there's going to be a Jimquisition in three months' time about how Artifact is broken and why. Yeah. And for uh, just the sake of uh, accurate relay of news, the game is going to be twenty dollars on Steam when it comes out on November twenty eighth. So. Oh really? Wow. So they're double dipping on it. That's interesting. Hmm. Um. I wonder okay, what you so would get with your $20 purchase. I'm sorry, I just... Would you get... It might be the kind of thing cents? where, like, 
I mean, with the, something like Hearth or uh, Heroes of the Storm, right? That's a free to play game, but you could buy this thing called like the Founders Pack. That's twenty dollars. That gives you like a couple characters to start with and like a couple loot boxes, so you can like start off with like a little surge of stuff. You know? Yeah, they better give right. you cards. Yeah, I'd, ima- I'd imagine you'd. <laughs> but is everyone going to start with, like, start with the same deck. cards? Well, I, I'd imagine everyone will kind of have like a base set. And then, like, you'll open packs or something. Like, part, probably part of your $20 is, like, you know, 10 packs for free or something. It's usually some crap like that. Okay. All right. Yeah, you need that or everybody would end up with exactly the same deck at the beginning. Yeah. Which would be... Yeah, that's what it was. Weird. Yeah. Well, that was the case with Hearthstone. But again, like, you get packs yeah. really easily with them. Um, speaking of games that are not live services... Um, <laughs> So, Shane, you shared this news with us that Hellblade is getting a uh, a VR mode. Is that right? Yeah, it is. That's pretty and cool. And it has, actually. I think it came out either today or yesterday. Okay. I mean, like, super interesting for, uh, you know, a game about, you know, voices in your head and stuff. I feel like that's the kind of, uh, what you call it, like, playing something like that in VR would certifiably give you a more immersive experience. Uh- you know, yeah. especially like to like put yourself in the shoes of that main character. You know. Yeah. Well, it's it's what's cool is I mean the game is still keeping its third person camera as you go through, so it's it's not like a first person experience. So you almost get to uh, take on I would say like one of the perspectives of the voices, so to speak, that are controlling mm. Senua's actions. I don't know, yeah. uh, depending on how you perceive it. But yeah, it's definitely a game that would benefit from that extra bit of immersion because it's already something that's so engrossing once you once you sink in and start uh, just like hearing, well, literally just hearing all the voices around you. Um, so, yeah. So is it literally going to play exactly the same way? You're just also wearing a VR headset. It's basically your VR headset is going to be um, your camera. Or like it's like so, the fixed camera. Yeah, you viewing through the camera are now positioned over Senua's shoulder, going through things. Uh, if you hear something from behind you, twist your head to go and look at that. Um, but uh, also, it, the the other benefit to it would be um, the sound spatial, uh, like essentially your spatial awareness with the sound as well, since you're like placed right into that world now all the sounds uh make kind of physical sense are to your kind brain. of like wrapping you yeah like this this is definitely interesting because uh, you know more recently for a long time i looked at vr as a novelty right as i think a bunch of people also have um but like the the times that i feel like vr can do something like wholly different is by offering by utilizing it as a deeper sense of immersion rather than just like putting you you know in the eyes of the protagonist like something mm-hmm. outside of just first person and like i i think i started to really contemplate that after the tetris effect trailer came out because that game yeah. in vr is is pretty interesting because you know it, it's fucking tetris like it's, it's a puzzle <laughs> yeah. game you know what i mean like you're not really going to be you know looking through the eyes of the tetraminos as they drop right but VR instead is being used as a way to kind of, like, isolate you, you know what I mean? Like, really kind yeah. of wrap you in that experience and allow you to to kind of, like, you know, become more, like, entranced, I guess, in by what with, you're doing. with the gameplay and everything going on because, uh, you know, it's got the music syncing with the gameplay and now you can be in that environment syncing with 
the visual effects, your inputs, everything going on, right? So yeah, exactly. Like it's it's actually deepening the level of immersion. Like it's physically immersing you in it. Like all of your senses are now wrapped in this uh, in this experience, which is yeah. cool. Like like that's something that I think you know if more developers kind of start thinking about and and utilizing VR in that way. Um, I think that could, you know, we could see some more success there, or at, at the very yeah. least, creating experiences that, you know, are just genuinely more interesting to have. You know, yeah, it can be a more viable uh, option for developers to take advantage of uh, as just something to enhance your your game and not necessarily build it around or have it um, uh, lead the development uh, yeah. track for. It. But yeah, yeah for and sure. Everything you were saying in the case of of uh, Hellblade would be extremely. I can I can only imagine how effective it would be, considering like there's moments in the game, having played through it without VR, that have you like feeling stressed and tensed and sweating from like being enveloped in darkness and mm-hmm. and uh, just man to have a headset on. The only problem is the barrier of entry. Um, yeah. Which, for uh, aside from just owning a VR headset, uh, in, in the particular case for uh, Hellblade, uh, it, this their VR mode is exclusive to the PC version, so no PSVR. Oh, weak! Really? That's weird. And the reason for it is because this was something that was as I didn't watch the dev diary that they uh, released, but as far as I came to understand, um, this was more of a side project. Um, mm. and not something they really fully, fully optimized. And that's why the minimum requirements for the VR version of the game is to have a GTX 1080. Um, Damn. And so, basically, the barrier of entry doesn't only come from an $800 headset for VR, but probably an $800 graphics card to boot um, yeah. in order to run the game. So it's a very... Uh, niche experience to get um, but something they just wanted to be able to provide to that you know 1% that's actually capable yeah you gotta wonder if like what kind of resources uh, Ninja Theory would have to like really invest to, to make something like this happen like how, like how would that be financially viable for them to like you know invest in the technology and stuff to make this happen if it's gonna only be available to such a limited market I'm always you know, curious about those kinds of questions, but you know, I, think, I guess uh, I gotta go to GDC more to figure those out. <laughs> yeah, it seems in like this a, case, oh, sorry, go ahead, Pop. It just seems like a big waste of their time, unless they were doing it like for fun, and then they went, and, "Oh, we did it, and it works on this incredibly niche setup." High end PCs. Just, yeah, let's just put it out because it we did it. I think I think what it is. Uh, the, with Ninja Theory's development of Hellblade in general, they always had this motif of we want to craft the game that we want to make and then provide that to people and see if it's a success. So they went all in in researching Psychosis and uh, putting the, making the setting authentic and trying to make this game. They put it out and it sold great. So that barrier of entry is done. Their game's already a success. They've made lots of money. Now it's like, okay, well, if we want to continue making the game we want to make, let's just add a dumb VR feature that nobody will be able to really take advantage of, but we want it to be in there because we want our game to have that that gotcha. mode, right? Um, so I think that would be just... What would be the incentive? I think creative vision 
um, would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, because, yeah, I think they've already made plenty of of uh, revenue off of the main game itself. And now that they've been acquired by Microsoft, I don't think they're really hurting for cash. Um, so it was just something that they could do and wanted to do, obviously. So, Yeah, that is pretty cool. That yeah. is pretty cool. Um, speaking of niche experiences, are you guys down to jump into our final topic? Yes. So, okay, so. so earlier today I was uh, messing about on uh, True Gaming, which is a, a subreddit. Uh, you know, one of the ones that I enjoyed for quite some time. Because they tend to like ask deeper kind of gaming questions. A lot of the time it's talking about specific developers or like why people feel the way they do about certain stuff. Um, but as I was scrolling through, I was kind of finding a lot of similar, um, similar questions being asked and it, you know, none of them individually really rang true with me, but as a whole, I felt like it was kind of interesting and, and could be a cool topic to talk about. So essentially what the, the vibe of all of these questions were, uh, was surrounding the idea of replaying games or playing older games in general, um, you know, post-release, like way after their release, and kind of like uh, enjoying them for the first time. And what a lot of these people were saying was that they found it difficult to start some of these older games or replay games from their childhood um, and reacquire the kind of fun that they had. I remember specifically one of them mentioned uh, replaying any of the Pokemon games. And they were basically saying Mm -hmm. that replaying a Pokemon game is extremely difficult for them because it's just not fun anymore. Like, they lose the excitement of of catching Pokemon that they had when they first played it. And I'm kind of wondering where where that might come from. Like, I have my own ideas, but I'm kind of curious what you guys think. And I'm also curious what your experiences are with either replaying games that you love... Uh, or playing an older game in general, you know? I am almost never able to do either of those things. Really? So, so let's, <laughs> let's unpack that a little bit. And so, I think Shane's answer is going to be the exact opposite. That's all he does. Not entirely, but, but further deviated, sure, yes. Um, yeah, so... But I think we're, we've got a spectrum here, because I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle. So, like, Potts, what makes it hard to replay a game? Because, I mean, there's games you love, Super or Star Fox 64. So, yeah, I, Star Fox, I feel like, barely counts, because it takes 20 minutes to finish. Mm-hmm. That's more of, like, a... So, okay, uh, so I, I guess... <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, hey. I guess... No, go ahead, sorry. I mean, I guess with... with if it's going to be an old game that I play over and over and over again... It's going to have to be something like that, where I can jump in really quick, do a little bit of it, and then jump out again. Like, And even that, I haven't played 64 on my 64 in like 10 years, but when they put that shit out on, on DS, yes. Instantly, like, yeah. Instantly. Uh, and I do still pick that up from time to time. Um, I honestly, do you, do you, did you buy it on 3ds? Because like there, there's a like so many layers to this, and I don't want to go too far in any one thing. But like you'll kind of see where I'm mm-hmm. thinking in this direction, right? So when Star Fox 64, one of your favorite games from your childhood, was re-released on 3ds, you said it was an instant buy for you. Now was that because you were truly compelled to play the game again, or was it because you were so much of a fan of it before that? 
part of you almost felt obligated to to buy it. No. Or was it to experience the game in a slightly different way? Okay, so definitely not the third one. Okay. The second one, no, but that is why I bought all of the other Star Fox games. Because I'm like, this is Star Fox, therefore it might be good. And then none of them, absolutely none of them were good. Um... No, it was because I my the thought process was I would be playing this all the time if my N64 wasn't so janky and if the N64 controller wasn't so bad. True. Um, like I, quick, very quick side note. When the N64 was the system that was out, I thought that I was bad at video games. It turns out it's just the controller. Yeah, I'm a, not. It's, it's a bad controller. Like, like Super Mario 64 is not a hard game. It's just difficult to platform with that whack controller. It's true. So yeah, the ability to play my favorite game of all time on a system that is designed for human hands to use, and it's portable, and yet even though it's one like eighth of the size it looks better yeah so the only thing that really again side note pisses me off a lot is that they redubbed the voiceovers yeah yeah and it's bad so um, when it comes to other games that you might have played like so i legitimately don't know that i have any other games that i do that with a commander keen like something like that I, or like the original doom like games that you've probably played when you were a kid like are are you ever compelled to go back and play those? I am I, okay. So I am, and that's basically why I have my retro pie. But I feel like I would never ever finish one of them mm-hmm. again. I'll be like, oh, Commander Keen, that's a thing that I forgot about. Let me play this for a while, and I'll play it for like an hour, and then I'm good. Gotcha. I like. I loved, absolutely loved. Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. I put like 120 hours into that game. Mm-hmm. I would probably never play it again. Yeah. I. That, it's, it's like kind of weird to me because it's like there are games that like that I love, love, love. And it's like kind of a little like I, I feel like I'm spoiling myself by like going back to play them again because it's like it's like I, I don't know. The, the best analogy I can make for it is like with the games that I'm playing, it's like they're they're like meals, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like if I if I'm playing something now, like a modern game, it's like that's dinner. But like, so I should be eating dinner because it's what's good for me and it's what's gonna like make me feel better or whatever. <laughs> or I could just go back and play Resident Evil Two again, and then that that to me feels like it's just dessert. Like there's no reason for me to have it. It's just <laughs> strictly indulgence. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just don't really have anything like that yeah um except like i guess like for a long time i would play the campaign of halo the first halo over and over and over and over and over sure. like i could go back now and play that again yeah and i would enjoy it. i'm not compelled to right now but if i suddenly was i would still enjoy that gotcha um i don't know why that is yeah shane what about you do you find yourself playing old games do you find yourself going back to play old games and it's not the same experience you remember like kind of what are your thoughts on on this topic uh well one of the things that we did more recently that uh pertains a lot to this topic was uh well our zero exposure podcast yeah um and while we were doing some of that uh one of my choices was legacy of kane soul reaver yeah and so that was, for me, revisiting an old game that I previously really, really enjoyed. Still really enjoy, um, but had to struggle with the problems of revisiting a game like that. 
Yeah. Um, and really, I think that this this issue is on a game by game basis, and a lot of it comes from the refinement of the platform you're on, so to speak. Like Soul Reaver is an early PlayStation One platformer. That's kind of where most of its problems derive from and yeah. why it's harder to revisit yeah. um, and funny enough uh, for me going back and playing an old game that I had not played um, uh, you're, you're, you mentioning Resident Evil 2 um, it made me think how it's, it's super um, per game basis because I tried to play the original Resident Evil not remake but like Resident Evil 1 and I couldn't get into one. it. Yeah. I was not enjoying myself. I was not enjoying the feeling of exploration. I wasn't and feeling, uh, enjoying the feeling of survival in it. Um, mm-hmm. And it was not catering me, to me at all. And I, I did drop that one. Um, and then later went and played Remake, where I took advantage of the new control scheme that they had in order to enjoy mm-hmm. the game more. So, okay. having said that... Then I moved on to Resident Evil 2, and I had zero issue with its aging. Uh, I had hmm. zero issue using its traditional control scheme. I had zero problem with navigating its older-looking environments. Um, so wait, you did play 2. I thought you were waiting for remakes to come out. No, no. I, I, uh, I've gone through Scenario A, uh, Leon, but I never ended up going through Scenario B, Claire. But I did go through one campaign at least of Resident Evil 2. You know Scenario B is like a different game, right? That's what I've been told so it's like, oh, I thought I finished the game but anyway, I yeah. will be revisiting that at some point but I've been playing that with a, like a certain group of friends and we're halfway through Resident Evil 3 which again, another game I have zero problem playing despite its age. Yeah. Um, uh, but what's to say, I, I feel like they just had a better structure to them and that's why I was able to go revisit those. So, in this case, it, it was just good, strong game design is what uh, shines through with these products that I was able to oversight the, you know, aged graphics or uh, more difficult to grasp mechanics just because they had a strong overall core. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, and, and, and that's... That's definitely something that I've, I've noticed, you know, in, in the games that I choose to go back to, um, that's, that's 100%, you know, a feeling that's involved with that. Like, you know, I was saying that I, I've been playing Mega Man X Legacy Collection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those, those games are incredibly mechanically sound, you know what I mean? Like, they are built on a foundation that is so rock solid that it's almost impossible for anything to be lost over the course of time. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. jump, dash, and shoot. It's, it's as simple as it gets. And it's, it was tight on the Super Nintendo, it was tight on the GameCube, and now it continues to be tight and fantastic on the PlayStation 4. So, like, a game like that, to me, felt... Like, it didn't feel like I was, like, sacrificing or, like... Uh, like doing something out of obligation in any way i was like these are just genuinely good games and i like playing them you know what i mean yeah no and as someone who hasn't played through a majority of the Mega Man x games who played Mega Man x for the first time on wii u's virtual console yeah, yeah. those those games hold up because they were made at a time where you know 2d platformers were really well refined and there was no there was no hurdles to get over anymore um, yeah 
it what's weird though is like I feel like you know like as I collect a lot of retro games like it's like one of my most favorite hobbies right Mm -hmm. and when I go between like certain certain platforms and certain genres like I start to notice trends right like, I was collecting for N64, and I was greeted with exactly what you were talking about, Pots. The controller's total ass, and games from that time just do not age well. They just don't. Like, it's it's yeah. not their fault, but, like, in only very rare cases are games from that time even still fun. You know what I mean? So it's like... So that that kind of has some concessions. But then I go back and I play a lot of GameCube games, and the GameCube, even for being a year 2000 consoles, ages really nicely. Like, they, because it... It embodies a lot of modern uh, game mechanics, right? Like, that was at a point where they understand how first-person shooters are supposed to work. It was also a time where, like, graphics weren't so ass that it was, like, hard to look at. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but then, like, I'll give you another example. I go back and I tried to play some of um, some old DS classics, right? So I went back and I started... Uh, Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass on the DS again. <laughs> and that game <laughs> and that game sucks ass. It's I horrible. Beat, I beat that game like to a pulp when I was a kid. I had like a religious experience with that game. <laughs> it was fun. Like it, I I wow. so enjoyed it and it was blowing my mind that I could have an experience like that on a DS. But now it is so jank. It is so jank. Like I I can't It's because we didn't know any better. I, I We're guess, spoiled. I guess not. Yeah, because so, like I'll. I mean, I can go back and 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 play stuff that I distinctly remember, and stuff that isn't even that old. Yeah. Like I, when I let's see, so it would have been like seven years ago when I was out of college and I didn't have a job. I played through Mass Effect Two when it was probably a couple years old. Maybe ten times yeah. over the course of being unemployed for eight months. Yeah. Just in a string. I went back last year and tried to play that again after playing three and was like, nope, can't, yeah. can't do it. You can't roll. What yeah. is this? You're so, it's so, oh, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. And so even that game that I, like, you want to talk about religious experiences. Like, yeah, I yeah. lived that game for months. It was the only thing I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I just can't go back and play it anymore. Yeah. And it's not even that old. It's not that old. It's it's like when I, I, I another religious experience I had the 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 year that I lived inside of The Witcher Three, and then I was like, oh, I should play The Witcher Two because I love this story. And no, I, Witcher Two sucks. God, it's so fucking bad. I don't understand why that like it why is, that game got so much love it back is in the day. Unplayably just... bad. Yeah, like unplayable and I don't I, you, we don't even talk about The Witcher 1 yeah. like that's not a thing but like I so so then let me, let me alter the question a little bit and, and Shane I'll bring this back to you uh, to, to see what you think first but like so in, in the realm of like remakes and stuff like that right. do you ever feel like is it hard to put your attention on a remake of a game that you even know that you like be, just because you're like, oh, they're... Like, I don't know. Like, I find for myself that I feel guilty sometimes going back and playing an old game that's a remake that I know I'm going to have fun with, but, like, I have other things to be playing, so I don't, <laughs> like, prioritize it. Like, do you ever find yourself in a in a situation like that? You'll have to clarify. So, like, give me an example. Like, maybe if you went back and played Resident Evil Remake, something like that? So, like, I'm, I'm looking at my PS4 shelf right now, and right. one game that I have on there that is a game I know I uh-huh. love, 
the Bioshock series. I, I've got the Bioshock collection on my shelf for PS4 sitting right there. And I've had it since launch day. Thank you, Alex, for hooking me up with that. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had that for so long. And I every Bioshock game I've had a great experience with. But I can't justify mm-hmm. like stopping playing these new games that I have to go back and put that game in. I don't know why. I also have Final Fantasy... 12 Zodiac Age, another RPG that I love to death, that I would love to see how they improved upon it. They also said that they made it easier, so presumably it would be a faster experience than I had the first time. But I can't justify so, playing it again. Clarifica- clarifying question. Do you want to play Bioshock, or do you just feel like you would enjoy it if you played it? I feel like if I, if I put it into the console, I would enjoy myself. Okay, I have a lot of games like that, too, but I never actually feel compelled to actually yeah. get around to play them. I don't have, like, the, the guilt. I'm just, like, I would probably have fun if I played this, but I'm just not interested right yeah. now. Shane, do you find yourself with this problem, too? Um, I don't find myself with this problem for the sole reason that I don't, like, per se, in that, that scenario, I've seen the Bioshock collection. I go, man, I really like the Bioshock games. And then I just shake my head, and I'm like, but I own all the Bioshock games, so... Nah, I'm going to have to pass this up so that I don't feel that compulsion of, like, you know, I bought it on a new platform. I should really go through it on a new platform when it's like, man, I've I've kind of had that experience already. I'm going to sit on it for now while I continue to have new ones. What if a game, like, changes demonstrably? Like, let's say the Shadow of the Colossus remake for PS4. Would would that fall in that same camp? No. Uh, That's something where it might change... The dynamic of how the game is is actually played, um, like in the case of something like the Shadow Colossus remake, um, I'm eventually planning on picking that up, and a key reason for that is I did not enjoy uh, Shadow of the Colossus the original, and mm. a lot of the things that the remake introduces, I think would would change that would would uh, at least make my opinion of the game uh, a lot easier on on its uh, like i wouldn't criticize it as hard um so i like i feel like they did do enough work to make it pretty much experiencing the game in a new way a new enough way that uh i can justify to go back and actually play it yeah okay um like i don't know something like uh let's say uh, I, I didn't personally play it myself, but some uh, something that I would invest into easily would be the Master Chief Collection, because sure. those aren't it's it's more than just playing the same game. You're pretty much playing it in a brand new engine, um, and so it's it's presentationally it's it's brand new. It's not just playing it on a new platform, so to speak. And it, yeah. it helps a lot. It looks so much better. Yeah. Like, mm. when I buy retro collections, it's usually to get access to something I didn't previously have access to. Like in the case yeah. of the virtual console with, like, something like Mega Man X. I never had it for the original Super Nintendo, so in order to get access to it and enjoy it, got it on the virtual console, and that's why I would pick it up for a separate platform than its original release, right? So, Gotcha. So, Unless okay, it's, so like, a Steam sale. Anyway. Okay, so align, along that same line of questioning then, uh, and I think this will be the, the last piece that we can wrap up on, is, so you're saying that you like to play like remakes of games if it's something that you didn't previously have access to. 
Um, so in in that way, like let's say that there's a game that that only exists on a uh, on a certain platform of yesteryear, right? Something sure. that you want to try to play, something that that is of interest to you. Have you ever gone to a game like that um, that maybe only exists on the PS One or the PS Two or, or something like that, and you've given it like a fair shot, but like you can't find yourself getting wrapped up into it because of you know, so many reasons, whether it, it hasn't aged well or, you know, it's, um, it, 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 like, lacks some of that modern polish that games nowadays have. Like, have you found your, have you guys found yourselves in that sort of space? Because I know a handful of games that, that I've tried to, to reach like that, like, you know, uh, old horror games on the PS2, like Silent Hill 2 and 3. Um, Silent Hill 1 I tried to play on the PS1, and that game... I feel like the only way I'm powering through that game is sheer novelty. You know what I mean? Like, I look at the game like it's a joke. I don't take it seriously because it, it's a fundamentally not a well-optimized game. You know what I mean? Because I, I really like it. Go ahead. For, <laughs> for me, I, I, I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. And I, I feel like I would challenge you to name, like, a single classic game that people consider to be just fantastic from like PS2 era and before that I have either played or enjoyed. I guarantee you I either haven't played it or I hate it. <laughs> and the example of that is I really, 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 really tried to give Metal Gear Solid a, a fair shake. Yeah. Boy, it's yeah. terrible. Like, I don't understand why people like it. I, I remember that. I remember when you were trying I, that game. I like, legit. You have my copy of you, Twin Snakes yeah, because yeah. I'm so disgusted that I don't even want it. You're like, just get it out of my house. It's it is unplayably garbage, and I do not understand why everybody is like, oh yeah, this is the greatest game of all time. It's not. It's not fun. It's not well made. Like it, nothing about it is good. I mean, I, I think that's a great example of a game <laughs> that is a product of its time. Like I think. I think the reason why Metal Gear Solid became as acclaimed as it did was because storytelling in a game did not exist like that before that game came out. So it was kind of mind-blowing at the time. But I think mechanically, I could definitely understand taking umbrage with some yeah. of its... And know. I think my issue is that I missed a lot of that stuff because I was like straight just Nintendo until like the original Xbox came out. Yeah. And I didn't own a PlayStation console until the PS4. So I just missed a lot of stuff, sure. and now it's just it's just been too long. Like I I really really tried to give a lot of these things, like their due. Like okay, this is a classic. I'll play it, and I think it's just it's just been too long. Yeah, Shane, how about you? Because I know I know it's been like a mission for you to kind of go back and play these marquee titles in certain series. Um, yeah, would you like to share some of those experiences? Well, I know definitely, um, I, I have a shared sentiment with Metal Gear 1, which is just, I, I think if I gave it more time and attention, I could power through it, but it's, it is a tougher one to really sit down and appreciate in the modern era compared to, um, I don't know, like, I, I started off on the franchise with Metal Gear Solid 4, a mechanically sound game, and had a lot of fun. And mm -hmm. so going back to Metal Gear 1... Yeah, it was it was really uh, difficult, um, and yeah, and I'm trying to think of what in in particular because sometimes it's not just controls. Uh, for me, a lot of it was um, 
the ability to sneak around uh, like soldiers um, and manage my detection from them. I don't know. Yeah. It's just tough. Yeah. If, well, I feel like games, even like from that time and maybe even before, like they just didn't necessarily do a good job of explaining their mechanics. Like I'll give you an example. So I'm, I'm having this uh, renaissance with the Castlevania games. Both okay. from a collecting and playing standpoint, right? Like, yeah. Oh, excuse me. From the last convention I went to, I was able to pick up the first four, like the first three NES games and uh, Super Castlevania Four on the Super Nintendo. And I, I love all of those games. I love them from their times. I don't have consoles to play them on at this time, but I'm like, okay, let me let me go and play some of the Castlevania games that I that I haven't played before. The ones that like. I want to try that I've heard people say good things about it. So I've started delving into the, the GBA ones, right? And right. there were three on the GBA. Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow. And it goes without saying that everybody loves Aria of Sorrow. That is the best, you know, Castlevania game on that console, period. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's just what it is. Circle of the Moon was much different. That was much more, like, old-school Castlevania, like, just whipping and, you know, moving through, like, what seemed like stages and stuff like that. And then you got okay. this weird one in the middle, Harmony of Dissonance, which is what I'm playing now. And, I, like, I, I beat Circle of the Moon before this, but Harmony of Dissonance, I feel like I have to, I have to kick to the curb because it's, the way that it's, its gameplay is unfolding is not being explained to me very well, and it's making it extremely difficult and extremely frustrating to try to progress in the game in, like, like a, a smooth manner. You know what I mean? Like, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts before that, like, the most important thing to me in a game to, to you know, receive a high rating or receive any sort of acclaim from me is having a, a consistent and steady sense of progression. I need to know that I'm always moving in the direction that I want to be moving in. Mm. Um, and this game is totally, like, not doing that to me. And I don't think it's a fault. I, I think it's a fault of the game in the sense that because of the time in which it was released they did not do a good job of explaining how the mechanics of the game work and how it plays into the gameplay. So it just so it's just kind of assuming that I know what it's doing. Like, mm-hmm. f- for example, there are, like, walls that you can just walk through. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> nothing in the game told me I could do this, but okay, like, that's fine. And now it has this whole, like, mirrored castle thing. So, like, if you do something in one castle, then it affects something in the other castle. But it never outright tells you that is a thing that's happening. So, like, my progression is just stifled at every fucking turn. And it's, like, it's extremely frustrating. Sounds like a very dissonant experience that you're having with it. It it absolutely is. And I feel like, you know, Shane, what you were mentioning with Metal Gear Solid, like, you know, trying to learn how to, like, manipulate guard, you know, view cones and, like, how things are being alerted and and all that is kind of in the same vein. Because it's, like, that's, that's inherently the way the game is designed to be played, but it's not, like, friendly to the player... To really understand or, or work within the you rules that they're making. Just you know? play Twin Snakes. It breaks everything by giving you a first-person camera. Hmm. Well, I actually I, I love Twin Snakes. Twin that's, Snakes is I, really good. I, I, just, I, I forget who did it, but I just watched a video like yesterday on the fact that you can aim your gun and you have a uh, Trank gun. Right at the start. And you can aim it in first-person. Breaks the entire first mm-hmm. game. 
Because the whole point is that you can only affect things that occur on your screen. Yeah, you don't you don't need to uh, like in the original game in the PS one one. It's like all sneaking. It's like yeah. you actually have to sneak and move around guards. Whereas in Twin Snakes, you literally just trank fucking everybody and just walk the, around freely. The guy know? who did the essay I watched. Uh, beat Revolver Ocelot in like 10 seconds just by standing in front of him and headshotting him over and over again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm planning on essentially doing just that with Metal Gear because very similar with, uh, with Resident Evil. I tried the first one. I really could not get into it whatsoever. Picked up Remake and I, I immediately got it. It made sense and, and I enjoyed it. I th- I'm going to yeah. try the same thing with Twin Snakes. I know it doesn't hold the same reputation as Remake by any uh, sense of the imagination, but I'm willing to put up with some um, extra cheesiness in order to in order to get through that main campaign, that get into oh, that yeah. story. I I think it's commonly understood that Twin Snakes like may not have the historical clout that the PS1 version has, but it is an, a significantly more playable version of that game it's it's just good it's just a good game that was the first metal gear solid game i've ever played was twin snakes and i had an awesome time with it and it's made me a fan of the series since then so uh, i think you'll have fun with that and if you're playing it uh what you call it on your original gamecube hardware it looks awesome in 480p just saying. <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> yeah. um I, and just kind of, uh, I know one game that also pertains to this discussion that you were playing recently, Skirbo, that I had similar uh, struggles with playing it for the first time was Earthbound. Yeah, um, dude, I think my Earthbound is, train has come to a halt. <laughs> yeah, that's that is a game that is really, really. Um, what's to say? It's got lots of great features in it. It's got lots of great elements. It is held back though to upon revisiting by some really aged poorly thought out mechanics that yeah. most it, RPGs have gotten over <laughs> and, it, and it's also the kind of thing where again that that game just creates rules as you go where it's like you'll yeah. enter an area and and the rules of of combat of how you explore have completely changed <laughs> and are completely like asinine so it's like I, I I'm not I don't know. The, the reason why I've hit my wall with that game is it's just like it's gotten to a point where what the game is asking of me is just so ridiculous that it is literally impossible for me to continue playing the game without like nursing a guide the whole way through. You know that's what I mean? That's what we did, man. That's how we got yeah. through that game. That's how we ended up enjoying that game. So See, and that's the shame because I feel like if I like the reason why I go back and I play these games of you know historical significance or whatever is to like understand their snapshot in time, and I feel like I'm I'm robbing myself of that experience if I'm playing the entire game through the lens of like like I'm just following a guide because then I feel like I'm just going through the motions. I'm not actually doing anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's interesting, though. It is interesting. What do you guys think about this this topic? I think, I think there's some merit here. I don't yeah. know. It's 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 weird because it's a, a problem that I'm finding myself backing up against more often now because of like collecting and you know HD remakes are coming out left and right, and it's like I feel like our time is becoming so much more 
valuable. Yeah. That it's like, how can I, you know, wh- where do we make the justifications to play what games, you yeah. know? I've always yeah. had a lot of, like, weird guilt about... I'm starting to not care anymore and just be like, I'm just going to play things that I enjoy. Yeah. But I, for a long time, I had a lot of like strange guilt about like, not you're supposed to, no, the old stuff. Like, you're oh. supposed to like these things. I these see. are classics. But now I'm just like, fuck it, I'm just going to play what I like. Yeah. It's not important to me anymore. Yeah. Shane, do you feel the same way? Yeah, to a certain degree. I mean, there's still lots of, there's lots in that, you know, renowned game catalog that I think I'll enjoy that I want to try but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of games that I've had to just come to terms with myself and be like you know this is a this is something you're never going to get the time to get through and have an opinion on so just uh, let that one slide yeah um, it's like we can you know what Shane is going to be just fine not having had this experience you know yeah yeah that's how someone else like, can enjoy it there yeah. you go. Like Dark Souls. I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. I just don't want to play it. Yeah. So. I like Dark Souls. I really like it. All right. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that will do it for episode 125 of the TZR podcast. I want to thank you, Potts. And I want to thank you, Shane, for hanging out this evening. It's been real. Uh, again, kind of lightened news, but I think we had plenty to talk about. No doubt. Uh, so for our listeners... We have a normal podcast coming up, uh, or what's called? We have a few more podcasts that should be pretty standard for the next few weeks. Um, we might have to take a week off near the end of the month because I'm getting married. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. Uh, and then at the end of the month, we will have our PAX West podcast. Shane and I and Chow will be heading out. Oh, and Jeff will be heading out to and PAX. Jeff. Super stoked for that. So you can look forward to that when it is on its way. But for now, thank you, Potts. Thank you, Shane. Thank you. Thank you. And we will see you guys on the next one. Peace out, everybody.